I run scenarios of everything, like worst case scenario, what to do, blah, blah, blah. And I actually had a contingency plan for like the coronavirus already. Welcome. And thank you to the first ever episode of the I Love Entrepreneurship Podcast. Guys, it's been such a fun journey. I am so excited for this conversation. I've been waiting for so long time. I said that if I was ever going to have a new podcast, this was going to be one of my very first guests. It was Stuart Brolin is his name. He his company, Clean Cooking, started because he was trying to lose weight. And from all the weight he lost, he gained all these food um, knowledge and just started creating all these um, meals and stuff. And he started selling them or giving them, selling them as Jim. And then all of a sudden he's like, this is big. And he started out a food truck and now he's at five locations and expanding such a fun conversation but before we start the conversation I would like to say one more thing during the recording um, when we were, the day we recorded it was the one year anniversary of the suicide of one of his employees and suicide sucks it hurts everyone involved and so if you are feeling alone if you are feeling that no one cares about you please reach out this can be tough but you don't have to do it alone um, with that said I'd like to take a few moments of silence um, and remembrance for the families that have been hurt by suicide Please, please, if you are feeling alone or you're going to end your life, please reach out because suicide sucks and I don't want anyone to die from it. With that heavy topic said, let's jump right into the conversation. When did y'all start? Legally? Officially? What? Like, what's the... Wait, when did I start? Like, kind of like a series of, of different ones. So we got our my health license in my, my food trailer in Figure 5, uh, November 16th of 2016. That's when clean cooking officially started. <laughs> but I've been doing it for a couple of months out of my house for a few friends, and, and it just immediately had legs. I had been cooking different food and bringing it to the gym, and like, guys, try this. This is awesome. This is what I've been eating. I lost a, a shit ton of weight. And they're like, oh my God, can you make this for me? And yeah, and so it went from 5 to 10 to 15, like freaking instantly. Finally, on the, on the fourth week when we we had 20, 26 orders for, for people for five days worth of food. My wife said, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> so I had to go buy a food truck. And that's when we, we started there. And then when did y'all open your first store? It, it's a ball. Everything that's happening in clean cooking has happened out of necessity. This is what happens when you solve a series of problems one at a time. When you're first starting out, I mean, I spent my entire life savings on the freaking food truck. So we were like literally rubbing pennies together to try to make things happen. I was doing a lot of it off of credit cards. Nobody would give me any credit. You know, it was, always, it was just revolving door, blah, blah, blah. The first brick and mortar was, I want to say November of 2017. It was almost like 11 months. And then we, we were open in December. So we could hit that January 
thing that happens every year. We, we did, and we nailed it. So we used it as a pickup location. So you had to order online and then pick up your order here at this location so that we could kind of work the system around. There's so many loopholes in our, our health code around here. As long as you're being safe and creative, the, the health inspectors enjoy a good creative working of the system. They're like, okay, you're playing by the rules, but you're using them to your advantage. I didn't know anything. I knew basics about food safety, but I was self-taught on it. So what I would do is I would call the health inspector and ask them questions, which is a, I guess, bizarre thing to do for them, but they really appreciate it, you know, because if they're there to help you do it the right way, yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more, but you're never going to have any issues. They're never going to come beat you up because you're doing it the way they taught you to do it and you work the system with them. You're not trying to do it and then sneak it past them. By being transparent, you know, in everything I do, you know, business-wise, it's super beneficial. So we started with the 1405 Fayetteville Road in like, I'll, I'll just call it November of 2017. We we're still cooking out of the food trailer. Though. The food trailer was our commissary kitchen that we were cooking and prepping and freezing and then delivering to the stores for storage and retail so that we didn't have to build a full tilt kitchen yet because we couldn't afford it, couldn't do anything. And then it, it kind of, it just kept evolving and evolving. So then if you have a, uh, somebody else has a health license, you can get what's called a piggyback license on it. So like, and I figured out that gyms had the same health license that I did or even better one because they would have a three sink and a grease trap and all that. So I could go to a gym and say, Hey, I want to put a store here. I'll pay you rent. And you know, the foot traffic will have the foot traffic coming in will be an advertisement for, you know, your, your location. And so I did that world-class fitness eventually was sweet boutique at, at the two fort smith stores and it, it worked it was allowed us to get in for very very low overhead uh, and build our customer base because it was more convenient because i don't know if you've ever tried to get somebody from fort smith to go to van buren but it might as well be like going to texas that river is this unconquerable mountain to them it, it's true and so you just have to deliver like you just and i don't mean it's anything yeah live in Fort Smith and I find the same thing. It's like everything is right down the street when you're in Fort Smith. Why would I go to Van Buren for anything? It's just human nature. I'm not trying to call anybody out. The more convenient you make it, the easier it'll be. What, you're at five stores now? Today, three. Not not by choice. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back at five in a week and a half or two weeks. We've run it. It's been this weird series of things with the coronavirus. So we've been working to expand. I, I do not ever take my foot off the gas pedal. You know, it's just flat plastered to the floor. It's killing me that we're not growing at the moment. But in order to for us to franchise and grow beyond our current locations, we have to have our food made in a, a USDA certified facility, which we were not going to have happen in a gas station. You know, no offense, but you can only polish a turd so much. You know, but we, we did the best we can do. It's a great building. I bought it. I love it. It was never going to be able to be a USDA facility because you have doors to the outside. That's, right. a, that's a major. You, I don't have the right plumbing for to have all the floor drains where they need to be. I don't have the ability to go in and just power wash everything. You know, we have to actually wipe stuff down. So we have a state health license, but we don't have a manufacturing license. And that's what it would take for somebody else as a franchisee to sell our food is we have to have a manufacturing license because of the, the health codes and it just wasn't going to happen here. So we've been sourcing and making our food and taking our recipes and finding all the right products and teaching people how to make our food in a USDA factory. We've done it. We've sourced it. We're actually going into production as of Monday, I think 
as long as everything is on point, you know, obviously, you know, the, the meat shortage that's going on, it's not right. meat, but it, it, the prices are spiking and right. you know, all, all of that. It, it's not the most fluid for us. You know, it's kind of like us pulling teeth. We've had, we have a limited capacity here. So it's not like I can just go, okay, guys, I need an extra 50,000 meals. But if I want to do a full product launch and a full changeover, I have to have my entire menu ready to go and store it. So what we have to do is kill our, our back stock, which we kept at Tankersley Food, which was, I know it seems crazy and it's not that much, but we had 42 pallets of food um, just waiting to go to the stores. And then we have an additional 16 to 20 pallets at the kitchen waiting to go to the stores. And so with sales, our, our normal sales, that's a two-week rotation. January, it was two weeks. You know, you'd be able to turn it around. As soon as this meal gets made, we know within two weeks, somebody will have it at their house. And it's frozen. So it has technically an indefinite shelf life. Sales dropped off 75% overnight. And we were full. It's kind of been this perfect storm of we've had to run down stock while not producing. It was a better deal for my employees to make more money on unemployment. You know, just is a bonus for them is like, is unemployment paying twice what their normal paycheck is right now. Uh, and so it, it, we didn't really have a choice, but it, thank God that it was in place, you know, that yeah. there was such a good safety net for them that, you know, because we were full and sales stopped basically overnight, our two week rotation turned into a two month backstock of food. And so we, we wound up cutting production and we've been basically living on our backstock for about four to five weeks now, just because it's been so slow. The food's still good. Luckily we timed it out and it's been fine. We are absolutely getting low right now. People are, are noticing uh, that we only have about six meals in stock. Yeah. We have plenty of them, but they aren't the ones that they want. Like they want the number ones, they want the number twos, you know, and we're out of those. And we, right now with the meat prices, how high they are, I can't go back into production of Van Buren and actually make money doing it so it's it's safer for us to dwindle our stock down and make room for the backhaul from our new facility so i, I don't know if that makes any sense but it's complicated fluid situation hey i i'm tracked so you're kind of just constantly adapting to every single thing and what's kind of your thought process through adapting like is it just oh gut feeling or is it kind of is there some method to the madness uh yes so I am not good with human interaction. I mean, I really am, but usually what everybody gets from me is canned. Uh, I don't know if that means, but like where I've thought about it and I have the response in a queue ready to go. And so I run scenarios of everything, like worst case scenario, what to do, blah, blah, blah. And I actually had a contingency plan for like the coronavirus already like in my head of what to do, like soon as something that just catastrophic happens, turn production to 11 for a week, top off, and then hopefully it's, it's in a good position to make the call from there. It, that's how I do it is I would freak out in my head. I, I create problems and then I solve them. I really, my wife is scared because I only sleep for like three or four hours a night because it's just, I'm up thinking, I'm up running scenarios, I'm up figuring out, tearing apart the system, finding flaws, and then bulletproofing it. And so that's really what we've done. That's how it is constantly adapting and always being prepared and having a plan, you know, knowing where you want to be and then being okay with it not going the way that you're supposed to, you think it's supposed to go. 
Like just just expect that everything's gonna go to shit. That that's the answer. How do you constantly adapt? Just expect everything to fall apart. Have no expectations of things working and just being okay with it. You know, knowing that you don't have the answers. Because I I don't. I don't have the answers at all. I was a mechanic when I started this. I've literally figured it out the whole way off of watching what other people do, basing, you know, off of other CEOs that I, I respect or whatever, you know, that I've never even met. Like, I like to say there's like five or so people or companies or whatever models that I base it off of. And so like, I use like Elon Musk for yeah. his financial prowess of how to rub two pennies together and come up with a crazy idea and just do it your damn self because nobody's going to believe in you. But Richard Branson yeah. for how he treats his employees. He has a saying that says, employees come first, customers come second, and personal gains come third. You live with those in that order always, yeah. period. Even if it doesn't benefit you, even if you, I have to take a loss, yeah that's how it works and that's how you get your employees to trust you and get behind you and believe in you is because you believe in them and you'll i've gone to bat a number of times toe to toe with a customer standing behind my employee even if they're wrong just because they're my employee and then you have a couple of their business models like our supply chain i straight stole that from mcdonald's you have all of it and all they need to do is call this place from one to get all their food from one location instead of having to source all of this blah 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 you know go to a create a, a commissary kitchen or become your own co-packer so you can distribute the same product equally to across all your locations and then walmart screw everybody i'm just going to cut your knees out and we're going to do it by crazy volume that's the truth is i there's a bunch of other meal prep places out there even locally like up in nwa but the problem is, is they're all going fresh and they're all really expensive. Now, I'm about 40% of my competitor, which means I'm not competing. I'm here to sell my product. And that's the truth of the matter is, is if I was competing with them, my product would be eight or $9. I'd still be $2 lower than them. And that would make it super appealing, but I don't care. I'm, I have my, my model that, you know, basically if I buy it for a dollar myself for $3 and that covers all my bills. Uh, and we just do it that way and stay true to that and don't get greedy, it creates this thing that people see and see the value in because you're making a, a more quality product than you should. Our, our meals are better than $5, like hands down. People are just surprised how good it is for $5 because it should be 10. I was massively surprised it was five. I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, and our more expensive one is seven. I'm, I am not here to compete. I have one already, and that model works. You know, obviously, it's so crazy. Nobody would finance us. And now that we're up and running, we have this huge thing. We don't need financing. You know, that would be a huge thing that if I could tell somebody is just go as far as you can. <laughs> Become a cash business and always work to get out of debt. You know, a lot of people will borrow money in order to be able to generate a paycheck or whatever, you know, I borrow this money, so I gotta do this. But the thing is, is the second you do it yourself, that thing is making money for you and you have nobody else to pay, but as opposed to having the pressure of, okay, I have to do this and make this many thousand dollars a month on top of it. If you can figure out how to just make it work until you can afford that, then those thousands of dollars a month come right back into the business. My initial investment was one freezer and the food truck and blah, blah, blah. And we maxed that out until we couldn't do it anymore. And then we limited our output until we could afford to get another one. And so we just basically max everything out until it breaks and then push past it. Sounds like a great strategy though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we, it took, it took us 15 months to get debt free. 
but once we did it, that's when it really started taking off. A lot of times it, it, that's such a, a hinge point of having to go ask for money. Yeah. You know, I have to go to the bank to go get a loan and the loan has to see your idea and then you have to go through the paperwork and then blah, blah, blah. And then there's closing costs. You're a month and a half down the road and the opportunity has passed you by versus if you're just sitting there and you go, oh, that's a good idea. Boom. I'm capitalizing it right now. I can, you pay for it. It's already paying you back. For someone who's like, oh, I have to go in, get all this debt. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't have to. They can. They can, but they don't want to. They don't want to do it the hard way. Right. Uh, right now, <laughs> I'm being eating across just one. I eat basically morning through the afternoon off of one bowl that I make. Okay. I'm, I'm experimenting with it for clean cooking, actually. Okay. Um, There's a really cool uh, style of eating called the vertical diet. It's for yeah. people that train. Um, high carb, high calorie, high protein, just but super clean. So you have to eat a crap ton of food, but it's already like in smaller chunks, so you don't have to chew it as much. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't leave you feeling full. You know, like you're able to function after right after eating, versus yeah. you get something super heavy, you're just like, Ugh. Um, and so that's why I've been eating that since this morning. Basically, I, I smoked the brisket last night with some white rice and bell peppers and onions and then uh, threw some spinach in there. And then some chicken broth. It's delicious. Oh, that does sound so good. It's getting me hungry. Yeah. yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been experimenting with um, intermittent fasting. Yeah. And so that, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I do because I find it hard because I don't eat in the morning. I'm just not hungry. Um, And so I'm finding myself having to either choke down something before I go work out or whatever. Um, So I just turn to like insurers or whatever. Yeah. I drink a cup of coffee and two insurers in the morning and I go lift and as soon as I'm done, I start eating that. Yeah. Because then I'm hungry. Uh, There's a lot. A lot of stuff that's happened. There's a lot of learning that yeah. has gone into it and being able to adapt and not not be not feel defeated. Like yeah. that's that's the hardest part. How do you take a loss? Everybody's good when you're winning, but how do you how what happens when you get smacked in the face with a big big L? How do you roll with that? That's really that's the hard part. It's, it's super easy to be in business when you're making money. You know, it's awesome. Uh, there's nothing better. You're like, yeah, I'm, I did this. I'm awesome. Look at me, you know, yeah. you know, but then it's like, what, how do you adapt when you get kicked in the nuts? I've enjoyed like watching y'all grow. I know you like followed me on Instagram a while back ago. And I was like, why am I, st- why am I still here? I, I just enjoyed everything y'all were doing. Yeah, no, it, it, it's been a, a ton of fun. I, I still have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I do, you know, obviously you don't, you don't get this far. Right. without you know being but going into this i had no idea i was literally changing oil doing front end alignments you know i was good at them but being a mechanical makes you an old man so fast i i've been doing it on and off for my whole life a job that everybody's always hiring for is oil changes and whatever i understand mechanics you know right. of, of how things work and so it was just intuitive yeah go change oil you pull this plug change this filter Right. Easy, and then that's a segue into cars, and I I was good at cars, and you know, and yeah. then alignments are all geometry and all that, but it's boring. There's yeah. there's not a lot of thought to it anymore because there's no customization. The hard part's figuring out what's wrong, and then you're just changing parts. But then I learned how to do all this from YouTube. <laughs>
legitimately. I, I learned how to cook, I learned nutrition, you know, and I, not solely YouTube, obviously, but it was a, it was an easy compiled uh, source for me. And then I would take that information and go research it and find out a lot of it was bullshit and that some of it was, was good. And so as my, my buddy and graphic designer, Jake says, he's like, there's a lot of meat on that bone, you know, chew up, chew up the meat, spit out the bone. And that's what I was really doing was just taking the, the useful parts of it because there's so much crap out there you know i watched a bunch of youtube uh, of the bodybuilding of vegan of intermittent fasting of yeah. keto of south beach of high carb high, low carb yeah. high fat low fat blah, blah blah and they all have the same thing that they basically say is is eat equal portions of clean food without you know fats or blah 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 and eat it as eat it often eat, eat for calories you know, and it, it doesn't have to be fancy. Basically, we just ruin our food to what we think it tastes good. But I mean, every what's hilarious is like everybody loves like corn on the cob. Have you ever just boiled a corn or ear of corn and just taken a bite out of it? Do you have to take it out and cover it in butter? Then you put yeah. salt and you put pepper yeah. on it, and then you have that. And that's literally the only way you've ever eaten corn on the cob. Or like for me, a baked potato, man, I got like ranch on there, cheese. Yeah butter I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that right um, you know but just realizing what it is you know right. calorie bomb you know it, it's perfect because your body is trained to love carbs and love fats and when they're combined that's like heaven for your body and goes oh i need this for winter except for winter never comes you know and that's so but i mean that's really the the gist of our whole meals is doing it just simply but doing it really really well yeah well and yeah that's why i like looked over y'all's menu and it was all like meat and a vegetable and a kind of simplest not like oh my goodness there's a million different things there's enough variety but not like overdoing it yeah well, and that was actually a it's been a, a balance between you'll hear me talk about jake a lot um, because he literally found me my very first week up in the trailer and he's a graphic designer and he just walks in and he goes, your logo sucks. Let's talk about branding. Yeah. And I was like, who are you and why are you standing here telling me yeah. anything? Uh, but you know, it's been four years now and, uh, he still hasn't left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, but it, I kept trying to up the number of meals right. to offer more variety. And so it's been back and forth between me and him of, I mean, we need more meals to meet this need. And he's like, well, cut something else because if you add too many, it's going to confuse people. And so the magic has been right at about 16 uh, where we can have, you know, six. The, uh, the idea has always been to have six chicken meals, four pork, or, you know, four porks or five porks and five brisket, give or take. That way you can have the proper variety and then we just kind of redesign. I call it Taco Bell in it because we don't really add new ingredients. We just rearrange our old ingredients to create new flavors. And But we do add. We usually, every menu change, we'll try to add at least one to two ingredients. Yeah. But we'll, we'll rotate out two as well to All keep right. it simple. So, that, you know, we're only really ever buying 19 to 25 items at a time from the grocery store. You know, people don't think about that. But if you, the more you can use a common thing, the cheaper can you can get a high quality use for it so you know that's why we have so much high broccoli because we want to use the best broccoli but in order for us to maintain the price that we want we have to have a certain volume and so we have to use it in a certain number of bowls 
you know, in order to do that. So that's been kind of, it kind of mixes together a balance. It's a, it's a tightrope walk, adding variety, keeping it costly and maintaining quality. That's, that's always quality is paramount because I don't care if it's $5 or $10. If it sucks, nobody's going to buy it. You know, they'll try it once, but that's it. How's that Dallas build going out? I know you are doing stuff in Dallas. So that's actually our, the factory um, that we're going to be producing the food in. It is in Dallas. It's, it's a brand new facility. So it's 40,000 square feet. Half the production size is 20,000. And the other half is cold storage and all of that. And so there'll be multiple, multiple companies using that facility. But right as of right now, the room is set up for our line uh, because of the volume that we're going to do there. Because that can that one room can make three times what we can make here, but in a USDA factory. And it has the conveyor belt, and it, it has a blast freezer where our food, you know, so the process with our food is, is that we, we, we cook, and then we basically cool it straight out of the oven or right out of the smoker down to like 30 degrees. Yeah. You know, just hovering right at freezing to, to maintain quality. Then we mm-hmm. will chop it up ourselves or put it into the bowl. You know, the veggies will go into the bowls and then we'll put it into our blast freezer. Right. And now our blast freezer is insanely powerful and really, really high quality, but it still takes about four hours to be just absolutely frozen solid. Yeah. Um, and so that in that time frame, the enzymes are still digesting and stuff. And it, it is there, but at this new place, it, it, it freezes the food in nine minutes. So, it, you know, in that short time frame, it keeps it that much fresher. And so people, that's the taste that they're going to understand is this food's fresh. You know, like, and we've been able to source, like, the problem that we have is we can only get what we can get. So, like, we didn't have the volume to get a specific broccoli florette. We had to kind of take whatever the closest one that we liked was, which has worked very well. But now at our scale with our buying capacity and all that stuff, we're able to get the exact florets, the exact, you know, cuts of green beans, the exact thickness of the carrot, the exact everything that we want that makes the best product possible. So that's why I'm like super excited about that. Yeah. Like people are like, are you worried about moving? Not really, because it's going to get better and you're going to love it. Is that going to have like a storefront? It, well, we're going to have stores down there. That's all part of the franchising. We will. Um, there will be different groups that are, you know, we've already had a couple of franchises that will be opening here locally. Yeah. in the next hopefully two months or so but down there we're also going to be opening stores and it will be storefronts and it will be you know all this but it will be the entire state of texas as well we're going to be developing out you know we're we're just doing real estate stuff on it right now of how many stores to put into texas yeah. as well as building out the rest of arkansas building out oklahoma you know all of these we're hoping to have you know hundreds of stores eventually yeah. you know i i think something like this would work really well coast to coast, especially if we're able to maintain our price points. That's a thing for me is being able to make food affordable. I feel that's how we're going to really change the health crisis is because I'm not competing with anybody else making meal prep. I'm competing with McDonald's. That's who I'm going after. I, you know, meal prep places have, you know, go in and order. I want lines around my building. In order to do that, you have to hit their price points. Yeah, I can. Well, because I'm, I'm in Dallas. I'm in Arlington right now. So outside Dallas. Yeah, even like all the meal prep places, just so expensive. Oh, yeah. wait I'm coming down there on Thursday. Actually, I'll be I'll be in Dallas on Thursday for the first production run. That's what we're doing. Is we're we're coming down there. We're having we're building out the bowls, and so yeah. the food's already here. We're already you know it's already 
in process, but I want to be down there. I want to eat the very first bowls that come off the line. They're going to be mine. So I'm flying to Dallas to eat my own food. All right. Well, I have five rapid fire questions for you. Um, I have written them down. All right. You talked about some influential people. Who's been the most influential person throughout this whole journey or in your life in general? Uh, me, actually. That's the, that's the craziest part is I've learned so much about me and how I react that I base a lot of what I do off of me, how I know I'm going to react, how I, the stress that it's going to put on me, stuff like that. I, my own weaknesses have influenced me the most in this, wow. you know, that's, that's the, that is the God's honest, no shit truth is I have affected myself the most by learning about myself and trying to be a good human through the whole process. Wow. I, I like that answer. What's been your favorite book? Livingston Siegel by, um, I read a lot of kids books, right? okay. I have a three-year-old daughter. As far as books, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. That was a, a good one. It's what really got me interested in cooking, just that there is a, a you're able to be a rock star in a kitchen. Yeah. You know, not stand on stage, but like if you can, you can make people happy. Being able to create a smile with your food is like a drug. Having somebody tell you that's the best ribs they've ever had hands down like oh my god yes take me my body is ready you know kind of thing but and so that book kitchen confidential by anthony bourdain uh was what made me interested in that there's also a, another book called the game but that that's more about picking up girls but it could be <laughs> it could be used to uh yeah it, it's human nature you right. know you learn about human nature through the same jedi mind tricks of that yeah. but I would say in the food world would be, you know, <laughs> it would be, uh, be that Kitchen Confidential. All right. What time do you wake up at? Four o'clock every day. Not on purpose. I wish I could sleep in. My brain, ever since I've been in Iraq, it's just like, okay, you've slept enough. Six yeah. hours, you are, you're just being lazy. And I mean, that's the truth is I, I struggle to sleep. When I'm awake, I, I get up. And I do, yeah. I'm functional and I use stuff, right? I'm always trolling the internet and looking for what's next. All right, what's your jam? Go-to jam right now. So there's two of them. So the Bleeding by Five Finger Death Punch. Actually, right here, I, I went, I have a, it's one of my favorite guitars uh, right here. That's uh, oh. signed by Chris Kale right there. The, uh, my wife, so crazy story. Uh, my former delivery driver, dishwasher, blah, blah, his name's Grayson. Plays for a band called Norma Jean. Norma Jean put out another album here locally last year and they went out on several tours to support it. And they went to Maine to open for Five Finger Death Punch. And so I flew up to go support him and watch him play, which was freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, but he introduced me to Chris Kale, who was just out wandering the crowd, who's the bassist from Five Finger Death Punch. Later that night, my wife bought me that guitar, which was stage played that night. And he walks off the stage and he goes, here's Stuart, here's your guitar. And as you're sitting side stage, from yeah. you know where they oh, they always end the show on the bleeding. Right. The bleeding was actually a, one of my favorite songs for, but it was also a song that I shared with one of my employees that uh, actually was today. The today, um, this is the one year anniversary of her death. Uh, she uh, a year ago today she committed suicide, oh. um, and that was 
devastating. And so now I've broken down a number of times while I've listened to it at a million decibels. Or I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, do, it doesn't really matter which one. It's super a lot of depth to it for me. Yeah. Uh, but it's poppy and it's fun. Yeah. And, you know, me and my daughter sing along and we have fun with it. And, you know, it's, you know, why not? But that those are the two the two that I go back and forth with is like, so we're metal or we're a teenage girl pop. Last question. What's your favorite exercise? Deadlift, period. Deadlift. Um, all you have to do is stand up. That's, that's all you got to do. I, I've struggled my whole life. I mean, I that's how all this started. I've been way overweight and then losing the weight. And uh, it, it comes and goes. I haven't always been in the best shape while I've only been cooking and running. And I'm trying to get back into better shape now that we're making the move towards really growing and becoming more in the national spotlight. It's kind of like, well, if you're going to sell food, you better work and be in good shape and eat your damn food. That's But deadlifting is, for me, my favorite because I struggle. I was never good at bench. I was never good at pressing. I, I'm okay at squats, you know, and deadlift. I can always just walk up and pick some heavy shit up. The day I entered a CrossFit gym, I was able to deadlift 405. If you're walking in the door and you're the strongest guy in the, the gym, something that will endear you to it. And I've continued to done it. So I've maxed out at like 585. Is my That's heavy. awesome. It, it's painful. It, it hurts. I don't like doing it, but I it has been the most helpful for me. It's actually made my back recover faster doing deadlifts at, when every doctor says don't do deadlifts doing deadlifts has actually helped me the most because it's a complete body workout as well as taxing your nervous system and it's um, mental mental workout too yeah like you better pick this up you know like you can do this and then after you're done you know I, that's why i like to work out early in the day because that's the hardest part of my day you know besides that it's all easy street well Stuart, it's i've enjoyed it i've learned a lot i've enjoyed it too definitely if you whenever you know holler i mean we can well, uh, we can do it again. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. Go check out Clean Cooking. It's such great food. Um, this is your host, Wyatt Spigner, and see you next time.